Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Upward and Onward. I'm joined by Eric Moyal, and today you'll get a chance to hear about some of the cool things he's done in the past and what he's up to now, like being the founder of Project Insulin, who are aiming to make insulin more accessible and affordable for people in need. Eric, welcome. Thanks for joining us. So good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, doing well. I just moved into the building, so uh, shout out CIC Providence for for having me and and Rye Hub. That's right. Uh, I'm in their incubator program. It's so good to sit down with you, though, and it's very interesting. We met in this building maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think like a month or so. Yeah, Yeah, formally, and I remember hearing about what you're doing, and I was just like, that is amazing. Like, that is so impactful, and I think that it's important, and more people need to know about this topic, so I'm ready to dive in, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think what will be helpful for our listeners and our viewers is to get a sense of who you are and your background, if you're willing to share. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, Eric Moyal, nice to meet everybody. Uh, I'm the founder of Project Insulin, uh, but uh, I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Uh, yeah, so moved up north to Brandeis University in Waltham, small little liberal arts school. Uh, go to college, um, did that, did a did a master's degree. Then I worked at Brandeis. Then I got a second master's degree, and then uh, Project Insulin happened. And wow. I think that's like the very short timeline of yeah. of what I've been up to. Interesting. So you are an entrepreneur now. Uh, would you say that this entrepreneurial spirit that you have was something that you saw in yourself early in your life, or was it something that maybe is a new thing for you? So uh, I, when you sent me the questions, mm. I was like very curious about this one because yeah. um, someone has asked me this very recently, like really? a few days ago. Okay. And I, I said no. Okay. But what I like then ended up saying was uh, in eighth grade, we had a trip to Washington, D.C. It was like our eighth grade trip. And I needed to, you know, raise the money to go on the trip because it's tickets and whatever. Uh, and so I sold chocolates. Interesting. So we went to Costco, <laughs> bought chocolates, put them in like a little container. Okay. And then I like sold each chocolate bar for a dollar. Love that. So like, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Like there's entrepreneurial spirit, but it's yeah. not like I came into, you know, college and, and like my adult life thinking I was going to be an entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, I was actually interested in sports management. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So really I did cool. like internships, uh, worked for the Patriots. Oh, nice. Was the mascot for Major League you Lacrosse. You were the mascot? Boston, Boston Cannons. You were the mascot. For the Boston Cannons for one game. For one single game. Yeah. Why? It didn't last the, much longer? The, the guy, <laughs> the, the regular mascot was uh, out yeah. that day and they needed somebody. <laughs> Uh, and it was, it was so, yeah, yeah, there was an injury. <laughs> Actually, though. Uh, oh, and it man. was so hot that I, um, <laughs> it was at Harvard Stadium is where they played that year. Okay. Uh, and it was so hot that, like, I took the suit off in the back of the stadium and, like, passed out for 40 minutes. No way. And so it's, like, the cannon head yeah. is on the floor, and I'm wearing the, like, pants and shoes. Oh and it's, like, there's a street view, so people could have seen <gasps> they me. They definitely did. And so uh, uh, half an hour later, I wake up, and I'm, like, oh, I need to get back <laughs> on oh, the field. Yeah. And then my boss was, like, where were you? And I'm, like, oh, uh, I just took a quick little break. Yeah. yeah. yeah had to it was halftime. I, like, missed, like, a bunch of things. I believe it. Okay. They were probably looking for the mascot, and you're just, mm-hmm. like, passed out over there, which yeah, is yeah, fine. Just <laughs> which is fine. At least you're okay, right? You were okay after I that? I was okay. I had a little okay. water. Okay. The sun went down. It good. Was, it was good. All right. I'm happy to hear that. I <laughs> have also, ironically, been a mascot for only one game, and I think that was good enough. Uh, most people who are watching this, you probably didn't know that, but 
Yeah. That well, whole, what did you? Uh, what were you the mascot for? It was high school. It was homecoming. It was probably our junior year of high school. And one of my good friends, he for some reason wanted to be the mascot. Actually, it was because he would have gotten winter ball tickets for free. So what is? Is this a Rhode Island thing? It is a Rhode Island okay, thing. Okay. It's a Johnson High School thing as well. Uh, the winter ball dance is around Christmas time, and everyone mm. gets dressed up for prom, like prom dresses and all that stuff, and. At the time, whoever would be the mascot for the homecoming football game would get free tickets. So, I see. You can see how that happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got roped <laughs> in. I didn't sign myself up, but my friend was like, dude, I'm not going to do it alone. So, please do it with me. And I was like, okay, we'll do it. And that was it. But very funny that um, you also were a mascot. And it's really cool to hear how you had that experience as a child being like an entrepreneur, really. Right. And yeah, yeah. How you're now an entrepreneur formally and uh, what you're up to now. What I'm curious about, though, is you said that you went, you were interested in going to school for sports management, but you got a bachelor's degree in business administration. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what was the motivation behind that? Yeah. So I went into college not really. I mean, I knew I wanted to do sports. Okay. I didn't know exactly what that that meant. Um, I had loved sports. Played basketball in high school. Played tennis in high school. Tried out for the Brandeis basketball team. Hmm few times. Oh, yeah. Didn't make it. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> they'll they loss. It happens. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Um, but, um, yeah, I, like, went in not knowing. And what I did, because it was a liberal arts school, is you could just take whatever classes you want. So I did, you know, five courses out of ten for a psychology major mm -hmm. and dropped it. Hmm. Four out of five for a legal studies minor and dropped it. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, did some econ, did some business, and yeah. the business just kind of stuck. So okay. the first class was accounting. Mm. I actually failed it the first time. I had right? to take it again. Yeah. Uh, not very good at accounting. Yeah. Uh, it was also at 8 a.m., so oh, whoever's that's... making 8 a.m. classes. No. But that's a, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay on track here. Uh, but after the accounting class, everything was like, you know, thinking and yeah. participation and collaboration mm. and – uh, uh, you know, problem solving. And those are all things that I really enjoy. Mm. Uh, I don't like puzzles, like in the, you know, physical puzzle, yeah. but I like puzzles, mm. you know, like figuring out how to make this work better. And uh, case studies in business school are like a lot of fun because they, sometimes they blank out the name of the company. Ooh. And so you don't know exactly who this company is. Mm. Uh, and you can like, I tell this story pretty often, but uh, there was one for a makeup brand, mm -hmm. and I like my report was they're not going to make it. There, there's a competitor who's already in the market, and they're much bigger and better, and blah blah blah. And the whole class had the same thought. Is that right? And then the the company ended up being Ulta Beauty. Oh man! And like they've like you of know course. crushed it. Yes, uh, yes. And so it's like fun because yeah. you know you you can be wrong and it happens, it but happens, uh, right? uh, it's always interesting. That is yeah. so interesting, really cool, and I think that's really. Uh, really interesting to think about how maybe someone can have their own judgment or perception of say a case study or a, a business and mm -hmm. their proposal and how they can maybe not see that being successful in the future but how it can turn to something like Ulta Beauty. Yeah. I think that just reinforces for me personally if there's something out there that's in your mind and it's an idea of yours you think it's a good idea for you maybe the people around you I think there's no better time like now to just go for it so that's what I'll say. Yeah. That's I mean, I get told I'm wrong all the time. As you should, right? Yeah. At least people give their feedback and mm -hmm. you can take that as you want yeah. and work with it. Yeah. Nice. So you got your bachelor's in business administration, but for some reason, and you're going to have to let me know why, <laughs> you went back and you got a master's in international economics. Is that correct? Yes. International economics and finance. It was a four plus one degree. Okay. So it's like you do one more year of schooling and you get a second degree. Okay. Uh, the truth is... 
I so I don't like math. Yeah. And yeah. economics and finance is all math. And yeah. we already established that I did not pass accounting the first time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was an opportunity to stay in school mm. and try to figure out what I wanted to do a little bit more clearly. Yeah. And if that also meant I got a master's degree, like, great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the the idea. You know, it was it's half off because you only pay for an extra year of school. And then on top of that, I had scholarships. So, mm, nice. like, it wasn't a, a – financially, it wasn't a bad decision. Yeah. And, you know, for, for school-wise, I was only – I really struggled my okay. first two years of college. Yeah. And so, for me – end of sophomore, junior, and senior year were when I was really, like, starting to hit my stride. I see. And it's pretty cool. You can, like, watch my GPA yeah. every year. It went from, like, a like a 2-4 two, mm. two or something. Yeah. yeah. And I, like, slowly made it to a 3-1. There you go. And I was That's like, yeah, it's, like, cool to see that, like, as time went on, yeah. I figured out how school worked. And so I wanted yeah. another shot to do school better. <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. Interesting. Now, was that also a motivating factor to get not only one master's degree, <laughs> but a second in strategic analytics? No, so the analytics degree was a pure like passion project. Okay. So I was working at Brandeis as a fundraiser. And so when you work at a university, one of the perks is you can take classes and do a degree program for free. Hmm. Uh, when I started it was about six months after my first my first master's graduation. Okay. Uh, so after my second degree. And uh, it was free, okay. fully free. And I was getting paid to work. And so uh, for Sign me, it was up. a no-brainer. Uh, I always liked analytics and yeah. the story that you can you can decipher from analytics. Mm. Uh, I don't love coding, yeah. but the like using like the means to an end kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, for me, that was really cool. Uh, and so now, I mean, I use a, I don't use a degree, but yeah. I use that like storytelling ability to weave data into why we exist and what we should be doing. Uh, that's like a big part of my day to day. So. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So 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 cool. And I, as a nine to five, uh, my job, I am a software engineer. So ah, I didn't, okay. yeah, I didn't know that you code. What languages did you use? Or I don't. Okay, you don't. <laughs> yeah. All right, you don't. I don't. But okay. uh, uh, what I did in the program was R. Oh, nice. Yeah, so really I learned cool. R specifically, like marketing analytics I R see. stuff. So nice and fancy graphs and oh, stuff yeah. like that, and and like uh, regressions and. Mm -hmm. um, we did my last project was on predictive analytics, Ooh. which is like almost good enough to like say I could actually code. Actually, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, I did not. I my project did not succeed. Okay. Uh, I I got the A in the class, which is go. what matters. Yes. But uh, uh, my teacher and I had a very hard time. <laughs> I, I picked a big project, so yeah. it was just uh, that's fair. Eyes were bigger than my stomach or my coding capacity. And that <laughs> happens, and that's at least you're willing to admit that. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, that's totally. very noble. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really cool. Um, I was doing my research, as I do, and I saw online that you had done a TED Talk. And for the folks who maybe haven't listened to it, I think you should. I'll post the link right here. Um, but you'll see Eric maybe a couple years younger and with much shorter hair <laughs> and in an orange suit. Now, mm -hmm. those are all things that I gathered quickly. But as I was watching, I learned more about you and some of the experiences that you've had and people who are near and dear to you have had, uh, which was a very, very, very heartfelt uh, TED Talk, I'd say, and something that I was attentively listening to, and I think that we need to talk about it personally. Yeah. Um, would you begin by just telling the people who don't know what the TED Talk was about? Yeah, so it was a TEDx talk at Brandeis. So sure. another, another, <laughs> most of the things I've done in my life were at Brandeis. Yeah. So um, 
and it was about uh, this bike ride that I did called Ride for Warriors. That's what I what I named it, what I branded it as. Uh, and it was a fundraising campaign to raise money and awareness for a pair of chronic illnesses that my little sister has. Uh, one is called Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, mm. or CRPS, which is actually pretty famous right now mm. because of the Saving Maya movie. Ooh. I believe that's what it's called. It's something okay. Maya. Okay. Uh, it's on Netflix. I haven't watched it because apparently it's very traumatic. Mm. So if anyone has a chronic illness and is watching it, like there should be a trigger warning, but there isn't, and the, the whole community is up in arms about it. Mm. But you know, this rare disease that has two hundred thousand people that has it yeah. uh, is now you know a Netflix movie and is like. You know, Good. bringing up a storm Spread about awareness. patient advocacy. So, mm. um, so yeah. So uh, I was doing this bike ride campaign, and what I wanted to do was um, uh, do it for uh, uh, do it in a way that grabs people's attention. Mm. And so I'd been thinking about going from Boston to Miami. <sighs> For a while now, on a bike, on a bike, holy, on a bicycle, not a, a not bicycle. a motorbike, on a, bi- yeah. on a pedal bicycle, a pe- wow. man-powered bike. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, and my sister lives in Miami, and I live in Boston. So like you know, or I did at the time. So mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the imagery of like coming home and, mm-hmm. and being with her and celebrating it with her mm-hmm. was was part of what I was going for. And so, uh, the, sorry, the other illness is thoracic outlet syndrome or TOS, which is mm-hmm. more common in athletes. Okay, and that um, is what exactly for people who aren't familiar? Yeah. So. Uh, TOS, thoracic outlet syndrome, is when there's compression between your first rib and and something else okay. scientific. It's up yeah, here. Up here. Uh, it's like like here technically. Okay. Uh, and that compression uh, leads to pain, and it usually comes from like a repetitive injury. Mm. So think pitchers, mm. uh, swimmers. Um, well, those are the two big ones. Yeah. Uh, but for my sister, unfortunately, she got hit by a car mm. while she was biking. Uh, back home mm-hmm. and um, when she got hit the impact like pushed her into the street mm. uh, which is very dangerous mm. and we're glad that you know she there were no cars and mm. it was okay uh, but the impact triggered both the complex regional pain syndrome which is usually an impact kind of disease it could be as mild as a stubbed toe mm. as as heavy as a as a car crash a lot of people mm. uh, you know rolled ankles mm-hmm. things like that um, and then with thoracic outlet, uh, the, comp- the, the compression had happened, and mm-hmm. so it led to pain in the area. Um, with complex regional pain syndrome, the, the, it's a central nervous system disease. So mm-hmm. essentially your nerves stop working properly. Okay. And one of the symptoms is allodynia, okay. which means... Um, I know we're getting really yeah, no, we're really is, scientific here. Yeah, I like it. This is but uh, allodynia is when your nerves and body start responding to things as if it's pain, mm. even if it's not. So, really? uh, for example, with my sister, it's touch. So if I like you know touched her shoulder, yeah, she would get into like an immense pain flare, and the reason is her brain is telling her that something as light as a brush mm. would be is is incredibly painful, and wow. so. A lot of people explain it as like fire ants like coursing through their veins and like biting them, wow. uh, which actually might not work here because yeah. it's Florida is we have fire ants okay. uh, up <laughs> I here. I haven't seen one here. I don't think. But. Yeah, they hurt basically. Yeah, they, hurt. They, they hurt and okay. it's it's not pleasant. Um, and it's uh, the number one pain 
like on the McGill pain index, really? which is like a chronic pain yeah. index. It yeah. has the highest rate oh or the highest goodness. level. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it is a it is a gnarly disease, gnarly. and so um, I wanted to raise money for it, raise awareness, and it's also unfortunately a disease which where the the Taking Care of Maya movie mm. uh, comes into play, where doctors don't believe the patients. Interesting. Because it's an invisible illness, so it's an illness that you cannot see mm. on the outside. So mm. a lot of people are told that they're faking it, mm. that they want attention, mm. that uh, it's all in their head, mm. and it's just like a very demoralizing situation. Yeah. And so the bike ride was to raise awareness. I. We'll stop there if there's more questions on the bike ride specifically, because I can just keep going. I'm on the... pretty curious <laughs> if you're willing to share, because did you do it? I did it. You did it. I did it. 1,700 miles, 16 days. Uh, the goal was to raise 5,000. I think we raised six and a half or something. That's amazing. And we stayed at people's houses along the way who yeah. have CRPS. Okay. Uh, and so that was really cool too. It was like yeah. the people we were doing this for were the people that we stayed with and who nice. supported us. So, nice. so, so uh, awesome. it's, it was awesome. Uh, I can only imagine. Now, I think that that's an amazing story, but I am curious between the start and the finish, were there points where you were just going through it? Because mm -hmm. it's a long bike ride. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you had been conditioning a lot prior, uh, if you've been an avid bike rider, but... How was that? Yeah, so that was all nonsense. So okay. um, I had never ridden a road bike before. <laughs> I had like had like a hundred dollar Target bike, which I used really? to go to and from Brandeis okay. uh, to to work. Okay. Um, but my training was I went to spin classes oh, smart. for six months because I started in January. Okay. And the the ride happened in late June, early July, so it was like okay. dead summer. Uh, which was very hot. hot. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm from Florida, so I was yeah. used to it. But yeah, it was nasty. Oh. Um, and I would do spin classes. And it started as like one class okay. every few days to like every day. Mm -hmm. Then I was doing two classes a day. Like mm -hmm. you do them back to back. So there's like a six and a seven o'clock class. And then I got so far into it that I was doing the two morning classes, which were at six and seven. And the two evening classes, which were at five and six. Wow. Um, so I was very much like cranking out bike, you know, cycling, oh, yeah. uh, uh, spin classes. All in. Yeah. Uh, and the, the funny part about that is that, uh, the classes, the music doesn't change. Oh, really? It changes, Between, it like, changes uh, every week. Oh, it's not like, uh, well, yeah, we so listen like, to this in the morning, but you won't hear it at night. So if it's the same, uh, teacher, yeah. whatever the, the, yep. the person in the front, uh, then they usually use the same track okay. for that day because most likely you're not coming to the same thing twice. Yeah. But anyway, I heard a lot of the same, like, <laughs> you know, same five, six songs oh, <laughs> over the course of the months. But yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that is very interesting. Yeah. You just, they probably were playing in your head, like, as you're trying to fall asleep mm -hmm. at a certain point, which is interesting. Yeah. But it was really nice because, like, when I was doing the ride itself, mm -hmm. uh, there were days where it was really hard. The first day, there were thunderstorms. Oh, is that right? We were delayed by two hours. I was like, hiding under a warehouse in the middle of the day because there right? was lightning. Yeah, oh, yeah I was man. just like stuck in the middle of Connecticut. Wow. Um, and the middle was pretty easy. You okay. kind of like hit a rhythm. Okay. And then Florida. Ooh. So you get to Florida. It takes, it takes half the trip. So it's eight days to get to Florida. Just to Florida. And then Florida mm -hmm. is another eight days. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So like, you know, generally every day I'm passing through a state. Of course. And yeah. it's like, nice. Like, nice. Wow. We're doing it. You know, check. Yeah. Like another one off. Another one bites the dust. Oh, but yeah. Once I got to Florida, it was like 
uh, it was purgatory. I was just like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm like right off the beach, which is beautiful, which is nice, yes. But it's like the same road oh. for for eight days straight. Oh man! And you know, the second to last day, I fell. My oh, knee really? swells. Wow. Like, uh, it was it was nasty, that, but uh, I kept going. And then the last day was was uh, more jitters because my family yeah. and friends were waiting for me at the finish oh, line because awesome. it was at our our house was the finish line. That's so cool. And so that was really special and very cool. And like I had a a, a few of my mom's friends yeah. cycle. Yeah. And we got we got in on a Sunday so everyone could come. Nice. And so they kind of like like train like a train oh, tr- so like cool. brought me in that is awesome. uh, so it was like a really cool last 20 miles and it was it was I just special yeah. i absolutely love that that's yeah. so 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 cool i'm so proud of you and <laughs> i really think that what you've done has been something that maybe not a lot of people would do but it takes a certain individual to think about how they can spread awareness and maybe have people donate for a really impactful cause and then to take it even further and show that you're putting you know your money where your mouth is or just putting your actions behind what your words have said and taking yourself from Boston to Miami on a pedal bike is incredible to me. I don't think I'll ever do it in my lifetime. <laughs> I admire the fact that you've done it and thank you for doing things like that because it yeah. really spreads awareness on something that's really important. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. it was it was really cool. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing about your ride for Warriors Initiative and some of the things that you'd done prior to then, being at Brandy's and having multiple degrees uh, and just fostering that entrepreneurial spirit at a young age. But now looking into the present and the future, uh, you are the founder of Project Insulin. Um, We talked about it briefly in the beginning, but for people who maybe didn't catch that part, um, can you just tell us what Project Insulin is? Yeah, so Project Insulin is a nonprofit whose mission is to ensure everyone has access to affordable insulin. Nice. Uh, so what we're doing is we're creating our own generic insulin, a biosimilar is what it's called in, in science in the science field, uh, and we're going to sell it directly to patients at cost. So whether you have insurance or don't have insurance, uh, it's going to be the same price for everybody, and we're going to send it right to your doorstep. Wow. That is awesome. Um, I know some people who are pre-diabetic and have been uh, diagnosed with diabetes, and knowing that there will be a alternative that is cheaper than maybe what they're able to have access to now is really, really awesome for many different reasons. So that's an awesome initiative. Um, what was the motivation behind starting Project Insulin? Yeah, so there's a few things. So uh, I was working as a fundraiser at Brandeis. Um my sister has a chronic illness, right? So that's already something that I've been a part of and we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the board of that nonprofit now. Oh, nice. Uh, and I help them with their fundraising initiatives. Uh, but my sister's illnesses, or at least CRPS specifically, uh, is one without a cure, without a treatment. Uh, there is no, like, it's you get it and it's kind of like you make your makeshift uh, regimen mm. to take care of yourself, but there is no widespread. Mm. Um, treatments available and so as a fundraiser it felt like my impact wasn't as big as it could be in in another field so uh, i was looking for a new job COVID had just hit Mm. uh and uh, i met my partner Mm -hmm. uh my my relationship partner and now my business i guess or non-profit partner nice uh and she has type 1 diabetes Mm. and so uh as we started dating and i learned more about diabetes i didn't really know much Mm -hmm. my grandpa had type 2 Mm -hmm. um when i was younger and i remember him like taking insulin shots Mm. towards the end end of his life Mm -hmm. but 
And that's really all I knew. Mm. Uh, and um, I learned about how expensive insulin is. Mm. And the more, most tragic thing is it's been around for 100 years. Is it's a right? drug that's been around for 100 years. Mm. The research team from University of Toronto who invented it or found it, um, they sold the patent for a dollar. Hmm. And the reason they did it is because they, they said, and it's quoted, insulin doesn't belong to us, it belongs to the world. Mm. They realized how important this drug is for mm. people with type 1 diabetes and then eventually people with type 2, yeah. uh, that it was a drug that they believed everyone should have access to. Mm. And so 100 years later, for it to not be affordable yeah. uh, was just, you know, shocking. And it. so I looked into it a little bit more. And the patents for the current insulins mm. have all expired. Hmm. Uh, and so unlike with my sister's illness, this isn't a scientific problem. Mm -hmm. This is a money problem. Yeah. Right. If we could raise enough money and make our own generic, yeah. uh, we can just sell it as cheaply as humanly possible. Wow. Yeah, and that's why we went nonprofit as well, so that we can stick to the mission of getting it to people yeah. for as cheap as possible and focusing on access mm. to patients who might not have access to insulin. Interesting. Wow. That is amazing. I did not know that the patent for insulin was sold for a dollar mm -hmm. initially. And this yeah. is maybe 100 years ago. Yeah. And they had <laughs> a good reason for doing that. Uh, I feel like living in a capitalistic society, uh, you can often just be so geared to thinking, what's the most that I can get out of something that I've mm -hmm. done? And I really feel strongly that the people who think otherwise and they say, well, I want to do something larger than just me and what I can gain. There's other people out there who have a need for this and can benefit from it much more than the dollars that I can amass. And they take that to the next level and they do something that changes the world, similar to what you're doing. Um, they deserve maybe like a like a a purple heart is something that they get in the <laughs> army but a nobel peace prize is a little different i'm trying to think of what it should be but i'm going to come up with something and the people who should be highlighted will get the get the medal and you'll be first in line honestly <laughs> well we have to make it work first yes yeah. yes okay so we'll make it work first we'll make it work we have to first create a drug okay. go through the fda process Ooh. uh and then and then figure out distribution which Ooh. is uh, the FDA and making the drug isn't yeah. hard. There's a roadmap. Okay. We know how to do it. It's expensive. Okay. And on the other hand, the distribution shouldn't necessarily be. It's not as expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, it will. It will be a little costly because it's a refrigerated product. Okay. So it'll. It'll cost a little bit more. Okay. Uh, but trying to get it to the people who need it most, right? Like okay. we're an access organization. Okay. You know, some people think we're a cheap drug maker, but mm. we're really an access provider, mm. right? We're we're unlocking access for people who don't have that yes uh so how do you find uh the 1.5 million people in the united states who ration their insulin every month yeah so who use less than they're supposed to yeah. in order to make the insulin they have last longer yeah how do you get to their doors and mm. so uh while we figure out drug development and fundraising and all that stuff in the background we're trying to unlock that that question and a lot of it will be partnerships yeah you know, working with healthcare providers, working with uh, companies like Mark Cuban's mm. uh, Cost Plus Drugs, they're they're selling or they're shipping generic drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, working with someone like them, mm. those are kind of the opportunities available that we're looking into. Interesting. And to fund the pharmaceutical company that you're a founder of, and it being a nonprofit, um, 
how exactly does that all work? Is it mm-hmm. something that people who maybe are listening to this podcast and feel strongly about can donate to? Or Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're a 501c3 nonprofit, which means that if you make a donation today, when you write me a big fat check, mm-hmm. uh, it is tax deductible 100%. Okay. And you just put in your taxes that you donated to Project Insulin. Interesting. Uh, you can go to our website, yeah, projectinsulin.org okay. uh, forward slash donate. Cool. today and uh, it'll be it'll yeah. be right here sweet or somewhere like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> or right there, or right there <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you can donate through there you can learn a little bit more about who we are and what we're doing mm-hmm. on the website but uh yeah our one of the biggest critiques we've gotten and mm-hmm. people telling me i'm wrong which we started earlier yep. uh was that we went non-profit mm-hmm. uh, why didn't we go for profit or a social good like a like a b corp where you know, every vial we sell, we give a vial away, something yeah. like that. Uh, and the reasons are, A, I'm a fundraiser mm. in nonprofit fundraising. That's my skill set. Yeah. I've built this company based on the skill set that we can raise money mm. and then outsource the drug development process, right? Mm. Like focus on my skill and then trust the professionals to do the drug making. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, just like the purity of the mission, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to guarantee the cheapest possible price for mm. patients and ensure that everyone has access to that. Mm. That is something really special. Yeah. And I want to make sure it lasts past me. Mm. Right. So if I'm not, you know, whatever, if I'm not here or if I go off and do something else, uh, that is still a core part of what Project Insulin is. Uh, and as a nonprofit, we can keep that. Mm. And finally, it signals to our our base, whether it be the future donors or the patients, that that we are, you know, we're in it for the mission. We're not in it for anything else. Yeah, yeah. so important. I think that people really gravitate towards supporting or even being affiliated with things that are authentic, like knowing that the people behind it are doing it for the greater good, and everyone can sense that. So. For the people listening and watching, um, Eric Moyal is doing something really special. And if you have maybe a couple extra bucks and uh, feel strongly about the mission that he's on to make insulin more affordable and accessible for people, um, I'll put the link once more and um, just consider it. So that wasn't the best plug on earth. I don't know what it is. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying. No, no, really. No. I, I think that you know. I think more people can be more charitable uh myself included so i'm hoping to do more of that and it wouldn't be the best thing if i was just saying this right now and wasn't uh putting my money where my mouth is so i'm gonna do that uh oh, well thank you i, I appreciate that, that. yes yeah. yes i will yeah. do that and we have like a you can do monthly you don't have to oh, give okay. like a big sum okay you know you can just give five dollars a month okay. or whatever it might be so it's yeah. uh Again, it's access to insulin, but like Mm -hmm. if you want to be a part of our organization, you can do it through donating. You can be Mm -hmm. a volunteer. You can just follow us on socials. Like that, that also helps. That's right. Which you can find here, 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 (laughs) and here. Instagram here. Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter. We just okay. got a Threads yesterday. Threads. Yeah, uh, yes. we have a Facebook, okay. um, and then LinkedIn's the one I'm mostly on. Okay, because I use it for professional things. Makes sense. Uh, that's where I like you know network and meet people. So yeah, uh, that's that's usually uh, that's usually where I post the most. Okay, yeah. well then, um, you guys will see it. Yeah, it'll <laughs> <Just, just laughs> be everywhere. <laughs> all over, all over the internet. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing about a lot of the things that you're doing with Project Insulin. Looking into the future, uh, what are some of the long-term goals for Project Insulin? Mm -hmm. So first, we have the five-year horizon. Mm. In about five years, we're hoping to have developed and gotten FDA approval for our own generic insulin. Insulin glargine, which is the long-acting, it's the one that uh, 
the most people probably use um, and uh, get that out and get that to patients around the country, okay. U.S. specifically. After that, our goal is to, A, get more insulins out there. Uh, there's short-acting, long-acting, and, and a couple more. Mm. Basically, it's the uh, how quickly the insulin releases into the body. Hmm. Uh, and so you take your long-acting in the morning, and it kind of goes on through the day, and then you would adjust uh, when you're eating a meal, for example, if you have like a, a carbier meal, mm-hmm. you'll take fast-acting insulin okay. in the moment to to you know counteract that, those carbs. I see. Um, and so yeah, so we potentially would have more generic insulins, uh, potentially move to other parts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, figure out how to get insulin in places where it's not really readily available. Yeah. Uh, and so those are kind of the two big goals that we have is get it in the U.S., make sure everyone has access to affordable insulin. I mentioned uh, 1.5 million people can't afford their monthly supply in the U.S. The goal is to make that zero, right? That's goal one. Once Mm. we do that, it's off to the other parts of the world. Hmm. Make sure that they're unable to afford, unable to access Mm. is also zero. Oh, yeah. I love that because you're thinking much larger than just – say Rhode Island or, or even the Northeast or mm-hmm. even the U.S., you're thinking globally. Yeah, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, we're not a cure, yeah. right? We're kind of, I actually talked about this recently with somebody, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're like a Band-Aid, right? Okay. We're here to kind of plug the hole until someone finds a cure. Mm-hmm. But it's not just until they find the cure. It's mm-hmm. until they find the cure and they make the cure affordable, yeah. right? It's like the cure will be found and then 20 years later, the cure will be available to everyone. Yeah. Until that day happens, we're here to make sure that nobody is you know, uh, dying. Nobody is making decisions whether to buy insulin or food or go to school or you know, whatever it is. Take the job that has worse insurance, mm-hmm. right? We want to make sure that uh, it's accessible and that uh, we can help people along their journey, whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah, um, that's important. Yeah. And I feel like the whole uh, lack of insulin has been exacerbated by the use of Ozempic, mm-hmm. at least from my familiarity with the, the matter, and that maybe Hollywood people are using it for their dietary um, purposes mm-hmm. instead yeah. of... So it's... it's a weight loss drug, so for anyone who doesn't know, Zempic is yeah. a weight loss drug that is used specifically for people with type 2 diabetes. Okay. Uh, with type 1 diabetes, it wouldn't help at all. Okay. Um, with type 2, there are factors that are non-genetic that lead to having type 2 diabetes. Mm. Um, what the Ozempic crisis has shown is not that it's not like insulin related. Okay. Uh, it's insulin adjacent because it's still diabetes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it has shown is that like uh, they don't have enough of the thing, right? Okay. And it's not being, uh, you know, only, it's not being only sold to patients who actually need it. Okay. It's being sold to people who, uh, you know, want to lose weight, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But uh, Ozempic and those kinds of drugs are better for people with type 2 than insulin is. Insulin is kind of like a last resort drug. Okay. It's when your pancreas completely stops working. I see. Uh, and so uh, having access to something like Ozempic would be really important in helping people with type 2 because you can you can get out of having type 2 diabetes. Is that right? I yeah. know that. Type 1 diabetes, though, you can't. Okay, I see. Yeah. I see. Very interesting. I did not know that. Now, uh, with creating insulin, is there a research and development process around that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're making our own generic. So we're starting from scratch. It's okay. like you're baking your cake. You need all the ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not as tasty as cake. No, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder to make. But um, you go through and you, you know, first you make a plasmid. Okay. A plasmid is your code. And it tells the organism that you put it into to start spitting out insulin, essentially. Mm. Um, and so you have to make a plasmid. You put it into the organism, which for us will be E. coli. Mm-hmm. Um, you put it in the E. coli. You, it starts spitting out insulin. You check. I mean, there's a few other things. But yeah. you check that it's not toxic. Mm. <laughs> make sure that uh, uh, it's doing the right things. Mm. Uh, you test it on some animals. Mm. Uh, and then... Once you finish that, you go to FDA. You're like, hey, we're ready to put it in people. Yeah. First clinical trial is to make sure it's not toxic to humans. Mm. And then you do third clinical trial. So phase one mm. and then phase three, okay. uh, which is to make sure that it works as well as the original product. Mm. Uh, because we're making a generic, it's a little cheaper and faster Yeah. because uh, we're just trying to prove it works similar to something else. Yeah. We're not trying to show that we've made something new and exciting. We're just... You know, we took the wheel and we painted it red. Right? I like that, yeah. Uh, it's a little bit harder than just painting, but yeah. yeah. Good analogy. Yeah. And it is probably harder than just painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you have been the founder of Project Insulin for some time now. Uh, have there been any key lessons that you've learned during this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've learned a lot. So first, I didn't know anything about drug development. You know, I was a fundraiser at a university. Yeah. The closest thing I got to drug development was like taking a bio professor to lunch and introducing them to a donor. Okay. You know, okay. like, <laughs> so you, not yeah. that close. <laughs> not, not that very, not very close. Yeah. Um, and so I had to learn all about drug development, you know, not enough to go do it myself, but enough to talk about it and, you know, convey to people that I know what the steps are, mm-hmm. what we need, who we need on board, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think like the biggest lesson has been, you know, trusting people you know this is like your baby yeah right like i have to you know in order to make this move forward i need more people on board but i can't have people on board if i don't trust them that's fair and so like letting go of your baby is really hard Mm. uh and yeah that's been one of the key lessons for me is kind of being more trusting with Mm. people and letting them like in Mm. right they people want to help if you'd like to help you can yeah Click right here to volunteer. That's right. Uh, but uh, that's right. yeah, that's that's kind of been one of the bigger lessons is like allowing people in and allowing people to move things forward. Mm, I yeah. see. Interesting. It's really, I imagine, hard sometimes when you thought about something and worked so hard on it for so long and you feel like, I know what I want this to become. I don't know if everyone else knows what I want this to become. Mm-hmm. And of course I want their help, but in a certain manner uh, yeah. and kind of giving that autonomy to others to iterate as well as uh, innovate. So any entrepreneur, I'm sure I can relate, and aspiring yeah. entrepreneurs, uh, <laughs> listen to Eric Moyal. <laughs> You'll have probably that same sentiment, but from his experiences, uh, highlighting that and really making sure that you're aware of it is important and it'll allow you and the people you work with to work more effectively, I think, and collaborate uh, much more efficiently, if you yeah. will. And collaboration is like such an important part. Uh, I think in for profits it's a little different, mm-hmm. so you don't don't quote me on this. But yeah. as a nonprofit, like 
collaborating with other nonprofits, partnering with other for-profits, uh, and things like that are really, really important and impactful. I think uh, a lot of the time nonprofits are siloed. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like we're a diabetes nonprofit, but they're also a diabetes nonprofit. Yeah. And so in a, in a state like Rhode Island where it's very small and, the, and all the donors are, you know, intermingled, that's the same people, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's harder to collaborate because, you know, I want their money and you want their money, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but there are ways, you know, Diabetes Awareness Month in November, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spreading the same videos, sharing mm-hmm. each other's videos and, mm-hmm. and posts and events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, there's ways to collaborate without, you know, gouging each other's eyes out. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's important, too. Uh, there is definitely ways that you can help more than just a monetary uh, aspect, but mm. also just, just spreading awareness, uh, yeah. just being a support person, right? Like if it's even liking something or sharing yeah. it. Uh, so those things go a long way too. Right, and like sharing this interview. Oh, so that's a two-way plug. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> so I didn't have to say it, but if you've enjoyed this episode so far, please like, subscribe, and please go check out Project Insulin. That's all. That's all, folks. <laughs> Nothing more. I'm not. We're not asking for too much. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, before we jump to the next topic, is there anything else that you'd like to share about Project Insulin? Um, no, I think like uh, I'm very excited for where we are, what we've done. Shout out to any and all of our volunteers and advisors and advisory board and and uh, 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 board of directors who are listening to this. Thank you for all your help along the way. Um, and I'm excited to keep moving forward. We're getting really close to starting drug Ooh. development, Ooh, you know, like exciting. properly doing it. That's exciting. Uh, and it's like, it's really cool to talk about yeah. wanting to do the thing, mm. that like we're going to be doing the thing yes. really soon. And that's, that's just like, that's the stuff. That's the stuff. That's the yeah. stuff. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing about your experiences so far as being the founder of Project Insulin. Now we've talked about work and getting a degree in business administration, a master's degree in international economics, and another master's in strategic analy- an- in strategic analysis. What do you like to do in your free time? Yeah, I'm like a, a big outdoors guy, okay. and I'm also a big nerd. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, nice. Not once a week anymore, but <laughs> okay. like early COVID, we played once a week. Ooh. Uh, now it's probably like once a month. Okay. Um, uh, I play a lot of video games. Yep. Uh, Ultimate Frisbee. Nice. I told you I'm leaving. Yeah, uh, right after yeah, this, I'm go. going over and play some <laughs> Frisbee. Um, uh, basketball, oh, tennis, nice. hiking, camping. Nice. Like, I just love being outside, and I love being inside. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. I will enjoy both settings. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe sometimes one more than the other, which that happens to gravitate towards me being inside, looking at a screen, whether if it's mm-hmm. coding, podcasting, playing video games. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. So you got a good mixed bag. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say, if you had to say your favorite restaurant in Rhode Island, what would you say it is? Ooh, so I've only been here for like nine months. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I moved here in September. I did not know that. I, feel, yeah. I thought that you had been here for quite some time. I'm just entrenched on the community. Yeah, yeah you yeah. are. You're like on the ground. Yeah, like. I've, I like try to, at least in this community, yeah. the entrepreneurship space, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so shout out Rhode Island. Shout You're out. all so warm. Like everyone here is just so nice. Yes. Uh, coming from Boston, like Ooh. there's. They have a name for a reason. I don't yeah. know if I can curse on here. Yeah, but, you can uh, to fly. <laughs> <laughs> They're called mass holes for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but coming down here, uh, <laughs> it's just everyone's been so warm yeah. and willing to help. Yeah. And uh, it's just really exciting. You know, when we met, mm-hmm. you literally invited me to a barbecue oh. that you hadn't planned yet. I don't know oh, if you yeah. ever did. But Wait. like, 
I met you and you invited me to a barbecue and we've known each other for three minutes. Uh, was it the uh, the Eats? Or sorry, it's called it's called the Eats. It's a barbecue that I go to every year. Um, uh, I don't know. We never, I think it we must never got been, that because it was it was that time in yeah. the summer. So yeah, 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 I did, and that's yeah. just kind of how it goes. At least from my experience, yeah. uh, what I know, I'm willing to share, and other people have the same sentiment. So uh, there is definitely that sense of community, that close feeling of like camaraderie. Mm-hmm. At least in my experiences being in Rhode Island, yeah. especially in a space like this. So uh, yeah. yeah, please, I can't wait to. Go to a barbecue and hang out yeah. with you. Like, yeah, yeah. like let's do it. And like, then I love, I love ribs. Yeah. Oh, ribs. Big ribs fan. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Uh, okay. But in my limited experience here, I heard Harry's is a uh, is a chain, so it I'm is... not going to count Harry's. But I did, it's I did like good, it's though. very good. It's pretty good. The milkshake, the boozy milkshake, was oh, phenomenal. I haven't had it yet. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Uh, but not just snacks. Mm. Indian food. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what street it's on. It's India, on. Somewhere? It's on a big street. Yeah, Westminster yeah. maybe or something. Uh, uh, that place is delicious. Yep. And then I went to. Ah, you're gonna have to cut this out. Another name. Oh, all right. Something, something calzone. Oh, Mike's calzone. Mike's calzone. Mike's calzone's on Thayer Street. Has a phenomenal chicken shawarma. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah, it's so good. It's like, I was skeptical because it was Mike's calzone. Mike's calzones. But phenomenal shawarma. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, those would be my top top so far okay yeah. okay that's i've been really trying cool. to get around but I, yeah. haven't, I haven't i haven't you know hit everything yet i have some recommendations and if you have any recommendations for eric moyal to try restaurants in rhode island because this place is filled with so much, so good, food, much good food drop a comment or shoot him a message on linkedin and be mm-hmm. like hey i watch your podcast and you should go try vendor ravioli <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's awesome um really cool to get a sense of who you are outside of just work uh now just to close i have a couple last questions yeah yeah when you look back on your life and the things that you're doing now, has there been a person or a mantra or a resource that has really had an impact on your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was hard. Yeah. I like I uh, don't know. You know, there's not one person that flashes mm. when I think about this, um, and that person changes over time. But I think the two people who have like had a much bigger impact on my life than they probably think they do are a guy named David Thompson, okay. uh, not the basketball player on the Spurs from okay. the 70s. I was like, okay. Not that guy. Not that guy. Uh, he, uh, him and Ed King. Ed King is an artist. Okay. Uh, or was an artist. Now he runs his own, he runs a nonprofit in okay. Seattle. Uh, but those two were instrumental in like my growing up as a teenager. Mm. Uh, so Ed and I played basketball together. Uh, and he was like 30, I was like 12. Okay. Right. So it was like, a, you know, a pretty big age difference. But you know, we would play all the time, and he'd kick my ass all the time because yeah. I was 12. Yeah, that's gonna happen. <laughs> he was 30. That's gonna happen. Uh, the worst part is he took videos of all this. Oh, really? So like, he still it's texts like, uh-huh. me like, "Hey, remember that time where I just like <laughs> fade away jumper no. over your face?" I was like, "I was 12." I was like, 12, man. Like, Come on. Let's play now. Let's play now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. 45 with a bad bag. Ooh, I got you now. Let's yeah. go. Uh, but Ed and and Dave. David Thompson, who I call Mr. T, mm. um, they really had a big impact on me growing up, uh, just showing me what being a good and kind person was like. Yeah. Uh, Mr. T does SAT and tutoring. Okay. Uh, I got a concussion my junior year of high school. Oh, I see. And so, like, I needed some extra help. I see. And uh, we didn't have a ton of money growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he had a very affordable rate, and it turned mm-hmm. out that, like, uh, he jokes now mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, 
we would I think he charged us like two thousand dollars for like yeah. a year's worth of tutoring. That's awesome. That's like no money. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. And he's like, yeah, I just assumed at some point I'll like get it back from somebody yeah. else. And yeah. it's like that kind of pay it forward attitude um, that stuck with me. Ed King, you know, built his own art company. Like he mm. he he did art okay. and like sold it. Okay. Uh, and you know, I remember I was there. I wasn't there when he made a million dollars, like mm. like the day he hit one zero 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 zero. Yep. But like we played basketball a couple of days later, oh. and just like seeing how excited he was, yeah. and like hearing about him touring the country in his like little Mazda, like with <laughs> a bunch right? of art in his in his backseat. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So those two had a really really impactful, uh, well, really impactful relationship and a big mm. impact on me. Yeah. Uh, because from a young age, they just showed me. Like, yeah what it is to care for somebody and and we're still friends today nice uh, they're that. both like much older than me but yeah, yeah. Well, they can they're, learn from them yeah oh absolutely and they can learn from you too totally and yeah. they've both you know ed now calls me to ask me about fundraising i believe it yeah because yeah. he'd never done it yeah uh, and now he's the ceo of a nonprofit. So. wow yeah. super cool i love how things come full circle mm-hmm. and how people just being kind can pay so many dividends and yeah. i really hope that hearing that and eric's experiences with just having a good friend um hopefully you highlight those people in your lives and you pay them some gratitude some some sort of thankfulness so that they know that what they're doing is not all for naught and um they have an impact on your life as well so yeah yeah and uh uh, you know sending those texts out saying like i'm thinking about you like thank you for for your help uh last summer for my birthday yeah uh, so I was on a road trip last summer, okay. which we didn't get to. But I, when I quit my job in June, okay, uh, I went on a three-month road trip. It was Did like you? my gift to myself to Good go fun. start off my own nonprofit. Yes. Um, and uh, I went on a three-month road trip, went around the country in my car, in my car, not on a bike. <laughs> Um, all right, just ditch the bike. We went. We, we went time. four wheels. We doubled right. the wheels. Phew. Yeah, um, and uh, I was you know camping and, and wow. hiking and all that stuff. And on my birthday, I sent out voice memos to my like eight or ten closest friends, mm. just saying how much I appreciated them and like you know how much they mean to me and like mm. how I missed them because we hadn't seen each other in whatever many months. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I they all. Sent, you know, some sort of thank you back afterwards, but more importantly, like, when I saw them next, like, I got a big old hug, yeah. and they were, like, you know, this, you know, yeah, I missed you while you were gone, but yeah. really appreciate that you, you went out of your way to send that, and that's not something that we get a lot of, so. I have never gotten that, but I am mm-hmm. hoping to do that myself, so. Yeah. I'm going to hold myself accountable by <laughs> recording this and saying it. <laughs> I hope to send out messages to people telling them how thankful i am i got you awesome. to open your wallet for dude, me dude like I got what's you going to... on? What's like, anything you want just take you want the watch that's <laughs> yeah, so the art of oh. being a fundraiser it's yeah. it's uh, uh a lot of people think that fundraising is like kind of sleazy you know like sure. the salesman sure uh, but from my perspective it's like it's the art of building relationships Definitely. and being honest like i don't want you to give me your money yeah. if you don't want, want to, to right like because for me, you giving me whatever ten dollars yeah. today is like great, and I'd be happy about it. Mm-hmm. But you giving me ten dollars, you know, every month or like every year f- for the rest of our relationship—that's yeah. that's much more powerful, right? Definitely. And I don't want you to just do it out of spite. I want you mm. to do it because you, you know, care about me, care about what I'm doing, yeah. uh, care about the mission, and like feel that your dollars are going to a good place. Definitely. Yeah. And Definitely. So yeah, relationship building. People say the skill is fundraising. The skill is relationship building. It is. It is. Yeah. And you're an expert at it <laughs> from when I met you to, to today. So keep on doing your thing because you're doing a great job. 
Uh, now, would you say that those same people who have been impactful in your life are people who are role models to you and inspire you, or are there any other resources, mm-hmm. people who kind of motivate you, inspire you, and you keep you going? Yeah, so for Ride for Warriors, my sister, mm-hmm. a lot of the training, like, you know, doing your third and fourth spin classes, listening to Pitbull over and over again. Oh, like, yeah. You know, my hometown artist, right? So you got to love him. But gotta, gotta. there's enough. You re- listen to the same song enough times where uh, it's hard. But okay. uh, she motivated me at that point. You know, different people motivate me at different points in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now it's more like I am motivated by my interests. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's no one person anymore. It's like everybody, you yeah. know, like my whole board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember the first conversation I had about Project Insulin mm. was with someone who I didn't know super well. We went okay. to college together. He's a lawyer and I was asking him about how to open your own nonprofit and okay. all that stuff. And he said, I love the idea. Mm. And more importantly, I like believe in you. Oh, that's awesome. And like, I just like, I, you know, after the call, I just started like yeah tear, like crying yeah, i believe in you uh, and he's he's on my board now right Love like that. i i wanted people that believe in me uh unbeknownst to me at the time yeah. the people that believe in me are also the most likely to tell me how wrong i am uh, which is good <laughs> you need good. those kinds of people you do but it is hard oh, uh, <laughs> it's like, hard when they do the you? other thing yeah <laughs> yeah when they're being nice and they're being really super Yay. you know telling you how great you are <laughs> That's one thing, but when they're being uh, uh, brutally honest, that hurts. Oof. But it's it's needed it and is. it's an important part. So there's no one person anymore. I think like you know my family, my my friends, everyone who supports me. Yeah. Um, they all motivate me to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like building a community where like if you fall down, someone picks you up. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So awesome. So so cool. Ah, uh, now my last question here yeah. is. Somebody has been listening or watching this episode, and they now know who Eric Moyal is. They now know that he is the founder of Project Insulin, and he and this person can be thinking to themselves, wow, he's really cool. <laughs> I love what he's doing, and I'm thinking of doing something similar. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to that person? Mm. Oof. Yeah, oof. Deep breath. I think it's important to surround yourself with those people I just talked about. Um, And, you know, make sure that you're doing it because you love the idea and you love, not even the idea, but you love like the end person who you're helping. Um, I I spoke to a marketing guy recently and he he was telling me about the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it. If you Mm -hmm. haven't, Hero's journey is like your classic tale where the hero goes through some trial or tribulation and like has to figure something out and then like a guide comes and helps them and like whatever, they beat the big bad at the end, mm-hmm. right? Um, our hero's journey, Project Insulin, is that we are the guide for people with diabetes so that they can go live a better life mm-hmm. by not having to pay as much money for their insulin for being able to afford other things whatever it might be yeah um it's like your why essentially right uh so uh it's really cool 
like we're not the hero in the story mm. right we're here to help somebody else yeah. be their own hero yeah. right like we're just we're just here to be a part of your journey right mm. we're, we're the bridge to the next thing in your life mm-hmm. um if that's the kind of organization you're trying to build uh, making sure you frame it that way and that you're okay with that, yeah. right? Like, it's cool, like, I'm on a podcast. Sure. Literally, there's a spotlight on me. Yes. But at the end of the day, like, uh, it's not about me, yeah. right? Like, I'm I'm happy. It's, like, an exciting thing. I work for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got all these challenges and puzzles to figure out. Uh, but, like, I'm not the end user. It's mm-hmm. not, like, something that helps me. It's something that helps others. And mm-hmm. so uh, if you're looking to get into nonprofit, uh, find who you're guiding, who mm-hmm. you're helping. Um, and when you start fundraising, inevitably, I know it's really hard. Uh, asking is really hard, but uh, knowing what you're asking for mm. and preparing and being very honest in your conversation. Mm. Uh, I don't tell people that, like, uh, you know, we're going to have an insulin in two years and it's going to be the best thing in the world. Mm. Like, we're hoping in five years uh, it's very expensive. Mm. Uh, but you can help us move the needle a little bit further. And if this is something you believe in, mm. come join us. Mm. Right. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I would say just being upfront and honest, finding your people and finding who you're trying to help. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. That's even applicable to someone like me. Uh, yeah, totally. I think anyone can take that and, and really harness what you just said and make it be useful for them. So thank you, Eric, for those words. Is there any last words before we get out of here that you'd like to mention? No. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Thank everybody for listening and doing all the things that we plugged along the way. Yes. Liking, sharing, yes. uh, donating, yes. uh, volunteering, yes. commenting your favorite Rhode Island places to eat. Do that. Uh, I do like eating. So. I love eating. <laughs> I love eating. Uh, I'm very, sure. <laughs> very interested in, in what you all have to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And I, I hope to be back on here in oh, like a year please. or two and telling you all the cool, amazing things that have been going on. Please. I can't wait, personally. Uh, I will say thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a important conversation and one that I enjoyed thoroughly. And for the people watching, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, I hope that if you're in Rhode Island, you'll see Eric and I at networking events, Mm -hmm. things around. Um, And stay tuned for Eric's return. Hopefully we can make (laughs) that happen sooner than later. But follow him for his journey, all the cool things that he'll be up to. And we will see you on the next one. Peace out. (sighs) 